0: My feed is kind of like a flock of sheep. It will surprise you to the upside. But I think it's easy to fall into the trap and admitting like you failed. Okay, that people are now are really giving up. And now it almost feels like Bitcoin really is dead. I mean, who knows? Let's smoke a cigar and have a bottle of wine and we can talk about it.
1: Welcome to
0: Cointelegraph's
1: Crypto Trading Secrets Podcast. Hey everyone, your host, BJ Pyrus here. This episode's guest goes by the name at Big Cheds on Twitter. Cheds is a trader with a notable audience of more than 300,000 followers on Twitter. He's written three books, one of which is called Trading Wisdom. He's an analyst for the Bitcoin Live educational platform. He's taken the CMT Level 1 technical analysis class, and he's also a cancer survivor. Okay. Here's Jets. Thanks for taking the time to jump on an interview.
0: Oh, thank you. Appreciate uh, the invitation. Awesome. So
1: each episode of the show typically has three segments. The first is Finding the Bottom, where I ask guests what they think about Bitcoin's price. Bitcoin's price traded above $29,000 in March, notably higher than its price action in the mid to upper $16,000 range back in January of 2023 according to Cointelegraph's Bitcoin price index chart. So from a macro longer term view, what's your opinion on Bitcoin's price taking into account the last few months and the
0: months ahead? Well, I mean, if you're going to do a big picture and you think about multi-time frame analysis um, with TA or trend analysis, and trend analysis is really um, looking at a historical set of price data and trying to, to identify the trend and what you're trying to do is ideally you're trading with that trend, right? So if there's an uptrend, you want to be longing the dips. If it's a downtrend, you want to be selling the rips. Um, you, know, you want to go with the trend. And if the big picture view for Bitcoin is the weekly chart, um, the monthly chart, and the reason why Western TA, which is classical charting, it's been around since like the turn of the 20th century, Charles Dow, primary trend, secondary trend. Essentially, you have a 200 period moving average, which is essentially, it's a simple moving average, which means each, each of those 200 periods are equally weighted, right? Versus like an exponential, not to get too technical, but the weekly chart has a rising 200 moving average, and the price is above that, so it's a confirmed uptrend, right? And if you look at the history of, of Bitcoin, you know since its inception, it's essentially almost always been above that weekly 200. And we had some dips below, and really most notably back in the COVID drop in March 2020, we had that kind of violent dip below. Um, but going back as long as you have a 200, it's essentially held it, on you know, dip below in 15. Below, like I said, in 2020, bounced off of it in 19. And we spent some time below it recently. So the longer term, the secular, right, the longer term trend for Bitcoin um, had been quite threatened and it looked really to be breaking down. But then suddenly, over the last couple of months, really starting back in January, we started to recapture lost support, right? You always look and pay attention to, to momentum turning points and you know 18K was support for a while. We lost it. It kind of ranged around 15K, 15, 16K and bounced back up above 18K. It was the first kind of signal that the trend was changing, right? And that we were going to potentially, we head back towards that 200 and maybe get back up above it. Um It initially rejected, but then we bounced back up above it here, week March 13th, and now we're consolidating above a rising 200 moving average, which means it's an uptrend. So Bitcoin's in an uptrend. We're above the 50 moving average, above the 200, we're above all short-term moving averages, EMA8, SMA20, simple moving average. It's, with anything, it's a question of when you get in. If you Could it go down to 24, 25 easily? And so if you get in here at 28, you know, it goes down to 25, you're not happy, right? But it would still be in an uptrend at 25K. It would still be above the, the 200. So it's good to kind of step back and get off that 15-minute or one-hour chart and kind of step back and look at the longer-term trend. And uh, the way to do that, in my view, is on the weekly chart.
1: And did you say you were talking about the 200 weekly EMA?
0: No, 200 should not have an EMA. You want to go – exponential moving averages are for short-term price action. They're more weighted. So, for example, like an EMA 8, which I use. You have eight periods, and the most recent candle has a higher price weighting than the seventh or eighth candle. And the whole reason you use an EMA is it's for short-term trading because it's more responsive to the price. Right. The longer you go out, you want to go to a simple moving average. Above 50, it doesn't make sense to use an EMA. So when you're looking at a 200, the 200 should be a simple moving average, not an exponential moving average.
1: Okay, that's interesting. So overall, do you think Bitcoin is still in a bear market?
0: No, definitely not. No, not technically speaking. I mean, it can't be in a bear market if it's in a confirmed long-term uptrend, right? It's above a rising Based on classical charting, right? And I've studied CMT. Um, based on classical charting, we have a confirmed uptrend, right? And we're above we're above a confirmed uptrend in the weekly chart. It can't be a bear market, right? Um, if you bought in at 50K, Michael Saylor told you to like mortgage your home to buy Bitcoin. Yeah, I'm sure it feels like a bear market. But technically speaking, that's what I do. I do TA, trend analysis. I mean, it's an uptrend. So you can't have a bear market in a confirmed uptrend.
1: Does anything else affect your opinions on that or is it just charting?
0: It's a good question. It's really, really not just a good question. It's a great question. I use and I've found that works for me is a combination of both sentiment and technical analysis. I'm not a fundamental analyst. I don't really believe there's much value in kind of macro podcasts and all this stuff. People theorizing, where they really think the price is going to go because you can really just watch does the price hold support or not. Um, when it comes down to it, the price will fil- tell you if the news matters, right? So that's why you look at the chart. But sentiment's a really important clue because we are social creatures or emotional creatures. And you will often find that people get really excited at the top, they get fearful at the bottom. And I personally didn't buy the bottom of Bitcoin. I didn't get long until 18.5 when the trend changed. But around 15.5, 16K... I noticed there was a sentiment bottom because I track both on Twitter where I do a lot of my public work. And I just noticed, okay, that people now are really giving up and now it almost feels like Bitcoin really is dead. That's a sentiment signal. So if you can get the sentiment to line up with the technicals, you're going to be in a really good position. So other than the chart, I look at sentiment and those are the two tools that I use uh, to analyze the trend.
1: What do you think impacted Bitcoin's price the most in 2022?
0: just a continuation of a topping pattern in late 2021. I mean, we made those, we had the April high, we made the November high, and you started to see a price break down um, in December on the longer-term time frame chart. Like in the weekly chart, we started to close below. If you look back at the, um, the week, really, just the end of the year in 2021, and that first week ending January 3rd, we had our first kind of real close below the weekly 50 moving average. And so that's a sign of a weakening trend, right? And you think about a boat, like a big cruise ship or something on the, on the ocean to turn. It's slow. You can't you don't just turn around quickly. It's not like me or you in like a jet ski, right? We can just pivot. These things turn slowly. You're always looking for signs of weakening trend, end of Q4, 2021. And 2022 was just a follow through on that momentum. And we had a series, we had a very well controlled downtrend in 2022 where the price would drop, have an overreaction dip where it went dropped too quickly, too fast. And then it would do what's called a mean reversion or people colloquially, if I'm saying that right, referred to as a relief rally or a mean reversion. So it dropped too quickly, then it bounced to kind of the underside of a moving average like the EMA-8. But in the daily chart for Bitcoin especially, it was the EMA-34, was kind of the main culprit, right, technically speaking, for the price in 2022. 20, uh, so we just had kind of the middle innings of the baseball game, right, 2022, the continuation of what started, the topping, in November 2021, which we we could have seen coming, and we did see coming, there were technical signals. There was Ethereum breaking out, which is often a warning sign. Um, so it dropped because it was in a downtrend in 2022. And there were periods of pause and continuation. There were periods of there fakeouts as well. We had a we had a, um, a brief break of 46K, which was it was a bull trap. It went to 48K and then it rejected on the underside of the daily MA200. It was all stuff you kind of, if you follow it day in and day out, like I do, you kind of just like remember those things. But to kind of answer it more simply, it was just a controlled downtrend that consolidated all the way to the end of 2022 when we had our final capitulation and that sentiment bottom. But the price itself, the trend, the price didn't give you a buy signal until it, it recaptured 18K. And that was like the second week uh, of January.
1: So you mentioned the 34 EMA, I think. Yeah. Right?
0: Why, oh, yeah. why so specific on the 34? Well, I mean, you could ask the price, right? Because I don't... First of all, it's a Fibonacci number and people tend to use... For EMAs, a lot of people use the 8, 21, and 34. I don't use the 21 because I use the Bollinger Bands, which have a simple moving average, the MA20. So I feel it'd be a little bit too much to use both an MA20 because I use Bollinger Bands. So I use 8 and 34. And I like to teach and I refer to them as EMA-8 is primary resistance and EMA-34 is secondary resistance. I mean, the price the price chooses those levels. I mean, if you pull up the daily chart and you look at the EMA-34 and you look at the price breaks down, it tries to um, get over, you know, in November, it, it couldn't get over the, the EMA-34. It tried again there at the end of December, couldn't get over it, right? Uh, Benjamin, if you look at uh, early February, you see how we started to close above the EMA-34? That was a sign of weakening bear trend. And we... we almost reversed there, right? Like I mentioned earlier, the failed breakout of 46K, right? You pay attention when the price set the obstacle at 46K, rejected their Feb 10, rejected their Feb 15th, rejected there March 1st, and then we broke out above it March 27th, but then we got turned back at the 200. And then you had a new sell signal, essentially what's called an upthrust or a false bull break, right? So the EMA34 gave you a signal that now I need to start looking for a reversal, right? Because it had rejected until then. And then we had the false breakout. We talked about that. And look, EMA34 rejected in April, April 21st. Rejected again May 3rd. Look, we it rejected again June 1st, right? Look, we it rejected again June 7th. Look, we it rejected again July 8th. And then, lo and behold, what happened, middle to end of July, we started to close above it. And we started to have a little more of a sustained counter-trend rally, people follow TA, we had, a, we had a triple negative divergence and a rising wedge, and we broke down. So EMA34, if you think about, it's just secondary, there's primary, either support, which would be EMA8, or, or secondary support EMA34 in an uptrend, right? You'll see the price will oscillate between, it will go up too fast, and then we'll come back, and it will catch a bid that you're by the dip level, right, EMA8. And then when the primary strong uptrend loses a little bit more power, the EMA34, or in often combined with MA20, it's your secondary, your second level uptrend. And you get a deeper consolidation, a deeper reset of oscillators. You know, hopefully this isn't too you know, academic or too heady for people, but it's, just, it's a moving average of price over 34 periods, uh, more equally weighted to the most recent price action, and the price loves it. Right, So why EMA34 asked the price, not me? I just listen. I pay attention to the price. You know what I mean? That's how I approach it.
1: Gotcha. And just confirming
0: you were talking about 2022 for all that, correct? Yeah. I mean, and the EMA34 action we referenced started in November of 2021, and it continued and played out really all throughout 2022.
1: So similar question. What do you think has impacted Bitcoin's price the most so far in
0: 2023? It's a chicken and the egg, right? Like, what's the reason why? that the, Why did the price reverse? Is it because we had a sentiment bottom? Why did we have the sentiment bottom? Why did the price turn around? I don't know. And I don't really spend that much time thinking about the why because I can listen to two or three really smart spaces or podcasts that will have different reasons. But you never really know what it was. For me, it's just what does the price do? Does it hold support? Does it break resistance? I just I almost really don't even care about why. I more so care about... How clean is the level that I'm trying to trade upon? How well-defined is that level? So then I can kind of define my risk, right? And um, why did it turn around? I don't know. I really don't care. It's a trend. It looks like the trend is continuing. I mean, it's been an uptrend you know, for its existence since the beginning. And it looks to be continuing that behavior. Why did it turn around? Is it because the banks did this? Is it because... um I mean, who knows? I mean, those are things you'll never be able to answer definitively if it's right or wrong. And those are great for let's smoke a cigar and have a bottle of wine and we can talk about it. But like, that's just to pass the time. That doesn't help you in any way in terms of actually trying to execute a trade or even an investment plan. Those things are irrelevant, right? It's all that matters is what the price does in relation to support and resistance and sentiment. You want to work that in as well.
1: How does Bitcoin's most recent bear market... The one we have transitioned out according to your response to one of my earlier questions. How does that compare to previous Bitcoin bear markets?
0: It's pretty similar. Technically speaking, it was a little bit more severe on the weekly chart. We spent the most time in our history uh, below the weekly MA200. And even the weekly MA200 was the most flat it's ever been. I think it was like seven degrees in terms of like the height of it, right? So in terms of like the uh, slope, right, of the rise. And now that's improved. I think the slope is back up to like nine or 10%. So starting to rise again, right? So sentiment-wise, it felt the same because we had the, we had the like Bitcoin is dead and it felt dead and that marked the bottom. But from a technical standpoint, it was deeper. It's, how do you want to look at it, right? We didn't do an 85% retracement. I think we only did like a 65 70% retracement. But on the other hand, we spent the most time below the weekly 200, which was the biggest threat for the price. And for the first time in history, the price broke below a prior cycle high, right? Breaking below the November high, November 2017 high. Right the um, you know 19 6 or 20 K high, so it's a little bit of I could kind of approach it a couple different ways, so in, in many ways it was similar, but in many ways it was actually more vicious and more threatening than we've ever seen before. That's something to pay attention to, and that almost leads me to thinking we don't just shoot to a new all-time high. we probably maybe I'm just thinking maybe more go sideways for a little bit a couple of years rather than just because in the past it was, it's easy, you know drop eighty percent, ninety percent buy it, and then the new all-time high. I think it's more likely to kind of shake out and take shake out a little bit longer, take a little more time to churn and consolidate uh, over the six months, of the next year. So, for example, like for this year, it wouldn't be surprising to me if we don't break 50k this year, right? That would be reasonable to me that we don't break 50k this year, and that wouldn't be bearish. It would just mean that more consolidation is needed, and trends need to pause and consolidate. You have to rebalance the supply demand equilibrium. You have to get the short term speculators out and um you know longer consolidation is good because that will allow for a more sustained uh, next leg higher
1: interesting thanks
0: that, that was a lot of uh, a lot of good input there so i've done these so it's all off the top of my head like i think about this stuff all the time and so it's, it's not a problem
1: so moving into the next segment called trade secrets yeah basically just tell me about your background or as much as you're comfortable diving into when you were little what did you want to do when you grew up
0: so it's funny. I actually just published my third book, which is a trading quote, and I wrote up like a little story in the beginning just to kind of people get a sense of it. And um and I talk about the fact that as a kid I actually wanted to trade stocks. I'm mean, not sure I want to be a fireman and I wanted to be an astronaut and all that stuff too, but I wanted to trade stocks because I was like, Wow, these people have unlimited money and all you gotta do is buy low and sell high. And um I remember like in my teens, there was a book. It was like a stock trading book, and it was like there was these green dollar signs point in arrow signs pointing up and it was very compelling right and thought, all i gotta do is read this and i'll be great and i started to read it and i was like what am i looking at i had no idea what i was reading i had no context right i had no frame of reference i didn't understand anything so you know that was discouraging and i had more of a traditional role i studied psychology i had careers um in sales and operations customer service people stuff that's why i've always been pretty good with people it's kind of that's what i've done in my career and but I always, and then I eventually started to start trading when I, you know, my young adulthood, my, my 20s. I started to trade big board stocks. I really wasn't doing well. Nobody just starts out and does great. But I traded, traded here and there, big board stuff. And then I learned, I found poker and I got really into poker and I practiced it, right? I mean, I started with $5 tournaments and I played like 500 of them before I moved up to $10 tournaments, right? Like I got really good. I did what I think people need to do. Um, is, is I start to build up a muscle memory. And poker taught me a lot of like risk management stuff, which I've I've applied to my teachings and my trading. And with crypto, and I'm actually working on a, a poker and trading crossover book, which will be book five, which I have a draft on right now. So I did poker for a while, and then I eventually started to trade more and more seriously. And right around like 2013, I started trading penny stocks, which I just immediately fell in love with because of the volatility. But I was trading a lot of off-the-chart stuff too, right? I was trading a lot of – it was a lot of like buy the news. And I I didn't realize why like this – like a a news article or like a piece of news item, I didn't understand why the price didn't go up when I thought, oh, it should go up now, right? I didn't realize it had been already going up. And um, so I had a lot of hard lessons I learned. But those losses and frustrations made me want to get better. So I started to get serious about technical analysis. I started studying Japanese candlestick theory, And I started to get really good at it, putting in the time reading textbooks, you know. And then eventually I started studying classical charting, Western TA. This is around the time I discovered crypto, too, right in 2017. Um, And crypto came to me at a really important time in my life. In 2017, I was diagnosed with cancer. I'm healthy now, I'm doing great, and uh, I had wonderful care. I'm really thankful for that. But while I was going through treatment, you know, I was miserable, as you'd imagine. And having crypto in my life was something for me to really focus on. And a lot of people, I knew people were counting on me because I created a nice little online presence where I was like a newbie helper and I passed on the lessons I had learned. So I kind of leaned into that, right? And to kind of live up to that role, I had to get even better. So I started reading classical charting textbooks and I had a nice little break. Crypto man ran, had me on his um, CNBC Africa program and that got me some visibility and that was nice. And I leaned in even harder to get even better. And then I started doing Bitcoin Live. I was honored to become founding analyst at Bitcoin Live with like Peter Brandt. And like a bunch of other like legends. And like, so I had to, again, I had to live up to that. I had to rise that occasion. So I continued to study and learn. I eventually studied CMT, uh, charted market technician. I did the level one course. And that taught me a lot because up until that point, there had always been a lot of like uh, rules of thumb where people, oh, this is my rule of thumb. And people would, this is how a candle should be. And like, no, I wasn't really sure what the real answer was. So going through CMT, and studying TA professionally kind of taught me what the real real deal was. Is so that that just like super turbocharged everything for me and kind of brought it to a whole new level. my trading got way better, my analysis got way better. You know, and then I published Trading Wisdom. Trading Wisdom has done really well. I'm really thankful for that. And I've just continued to grind and practice and grind and practice is which which is what you need to do. And here I am today.
1: Interesting. So you mentioned the old adage of buy low, sell high. But if I'm not mistaken,
0: that is highly subjective, correct? Like you don't think about, I mean... Well, it depends on the trend, like, because you don't want to buy low in a downtrend. Like the whole, you know, most of my, if I could go people, the great question, which you may or may not ask would be, you know, like, what could you tell your, what would you tell yourself as a trader like 10 years ago? And I would say, stop playing downtrends, stop trying to play reversals. You know, 95% of my career losses are on reversal plays. Focus on continuation plays. Focus on an uptrend that just dropped and it's now revisiting prior support. Like you're gonna lose your money playing reversals. So like the whole idea of buy low, I mean, you know, it's more of survivorship bias where people remember the like one time it worked, but you know, 80 to 90 percent of the time you lost your money. And then you're stubborn, you keep averaging down. Losers average losers, right? There's there's that phrase. So cut your losers, add to your winners, and the rest is history. And that's how you have to approach it.
1: Do you? Currently trade and invest in multiple different markets or just crypto?
0: Oh yes, I'm kind of a. We touched on this earlier where you'd you know do I do more analysis or trading? And I mentioned how um, it kind of depends on what's going on. So like there'll be times where I may not take a trade for a week or two, and there'll be times when there's volatility and I could take like a hundred trades that day. And so when I'm all I'm scanning multiple markets. I trade forex, I trade a lot of um, big board stuff, equities like New York Stock Exchange stuff, um, and I'm trading crypto both. The big stuff and like whatever has action, whatever altcoins have action, right? But to me, they're just they're just they're vehicles for speculation. These aren't like companies, especially with crypto. I don't see any of these as like existing or real or like for me. The word project is anathema to me. It's not a project. I mean, these are vehicles for speculation. So I try to find a trend. I try to ride the trend and take advantage of dips, like in an uptrend or rips in a downtrend.
1: So you mentioned it a little bit in that question, and I asked you in the pre-conversation before we started recording, do you want to just explain, uh, I asked you whether you consider yourself more of a trader or an analyst. Do you want to dive into that a little bit?
0: I don't know what you, I mean, it's hard to differentiate the two because my trading comes from my analysis. And I do professional analysis at Bitcoin Live twice a week. I record member updates. I've done that for the last five years. And a lot of what I do on Twitter is giving people, it's free analysis because, like a lot of people have day jobs, right? So they can't sit there and like pay attention when the four hour Bollinger's are pinching, like I am. A lot of people like have me on alert so that like when I see something, they can, okay, there's an alert. And it's not like a buy here alert. It's rare. Those will happen when it's a very clear case. But a lot of times it's an observation. The price is revisiting this major level, this type of, you now this new piece of information and it encourages people to then pull up the chart, their own chart, and make their own kind of analysis, their own decision. I'm kind of alerting people to when things are happening. Um, so I do both professional analysis at Bitcoin Live and I do it for free on Twitter. Is that, and I also, because I think my feed is kind of like the flock of sheep. I'm trying to be their shepherd. and I'm trying to, you know, my whole motto has been helping the new traders avoid my old mistakes, right? That was my old motto from when I first started doing social media back in like 2014 for cheds. But like, I'm trading stuff too. But like, a lot of the stuff I tweet I'm not trading because I'm less is more. And I'd rather have a few really really well executed trades then have like 20 trades in play at once. But there's days where I am trading a lot. January 24th, the February 24th dip on crypto, the May 12th dip. I mean, these are days I remember because these are you know major volatility events. And when there's volatility, I am trading a lot. So it just depends what's going on. You can't really separate. Am I uh, you know an analyst or a trader? You can't really separate the two. At least in my mind, they, they kind of go hand in glove
1: last part in this segment which is what was the hardest part about learning to trade for you
0: well the hardest part is is um cutting losers like taking losses and admitting like you failed and the, a lot of those losses started with like bad entries where i kind of bought the big green candle rather than buying like the red candle in an overall green chart right like the timing of the entry but the hardest part really is admitting you're wrong and moving on you have to you have to manage your risk and that comes down to how well can you define Your trade idea and how well you can define it, you have to be able to define when that trade idea fails, right? And will become invalidated. And like, I didn't have those tools in my toolkit for a a good part of my trading career, right? The hardest part is admitting you're wrong in in many ways.
1: So, moving into the last segment here, which is called the next bull run. Basically, so you, in the first section, I believe you said that you think
0: we are that Bitcoin is already in another bull run? Yeah, we're in an uptrend. I mean, a bull run, these are narratives more than anything. I mean, an uptrend is a technical term based on what the price is doing. A bull run, I mean, could mean a lot of different things. So I don't know that those two are interchangeable, right? Depends on You, know, you could say bull run, it might mean something different to you than to me. Um, but we're in a confirmed uptrend on Bitcoin right now.
1: So how long do you think personally the
0: uptrend will last? I kind of think of Bitcoin as... Sideways towards up for the rest of the year, I think it's it's got that kind of feel to it and you know the further you go out I mean the, the less valuable your quote unquote predictions or your kind of your handicapping or your read is I mean because you have to be able to adapt to new data I mean when we were at 16k I thought we were going to 12k because I'd been thinking that since 40,000 right and I wasn't going to change my mind until the price did something and it did something recaptured 18k and it went long again. it's good to have a plan, but you have to also, it's more important to pay attention to what the price does and the new information. So it's just not that useful. Like year-end targets aren't really useful. And I think it's one of those things where people do for clicks or they do it to make other people feel better because they want to make everything simple and easy. It's not simple and easy. It's always your best guess. It's a lot like poker where you're trying to find a situation where you're a 60 to 65% favorite. And that's a good spot, right? You're not going to be 100%, 90% of those situations really do, rarely or pretty, pretty much don't exist in trading.
1: So I uh, used to play hockey for quite a long time. What position? I was a defenseman. Uh, played, I nice. played in college and stuff like that. But um, there's an old saying that goes something like read and react. So basically when you're in the game... If I'm not mistaken, you, you have your your kind of game plan and your goals and stuff, but you also have to read and react based on what
0: the play is doing. Would you that kind of seems similar to what you're talking about? Correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you come in with the. I mean, TA is is about what has already happened, right? And to come in with an understanding of what the trend is doing, but you have to like that's why we study the chart, right? Because we build up a muscle memory, and so when we have volatility, we can put that volatility into context. And a lot of people freak out. When there's a big drop but if you understand what that big drop means in terms of the larger picture then you don't freak out you can kind of put it into context so that's the reading and reacting right and that's the multi-time frame analysis if i'm trading in the four hour i know where the daily is and i know what the daily is doing in relation to the weekly so you're kind of always understanding the larger time frame even if you're not trading on it you have to understand what what the situation is that you're working within so it's very much read and react
1: So do you think Bitcoin's price will ever flatten out
0: and stop having such big bull and bear market price swings? Definitely. Yeah, I definitely do. I definitely do. I think the longer it, the more institutionalized it is, the more it becomes like part of everyday life and more just part of the system. I think the volatility will wane over time. I definitely do.
1: And one of my last questions, or if not the last question, you talk about uptrends. So how would you compare Bitcoin's Previous uptrends. Like I'm thinking, like what would you, what would you explain in terms of years and how long you would classify each uptrend, and then what you expect kind of for
0: this uh, this one that you said we uh, have entered according to you. We're in an uptrend. It's hard. So that's a tough. So yes, you can try to compare it, but it's different because the beginning of this uptrend was the deepest drop below the MA 200 in history, which is why. Well partially, I don't think we're just going to go to 100K or 50. I don't think we'll make a all new all-time high this year. I think that would really surprise me. Prior uptrends, I mean, the move from, um and you know, I'll caveat that. I mean, the, if you look what happened, 20, 2017, we topped out. We bounced off the MA200 down at like 3K in December of 18. Then we kind of set up. And, and then in July 19, we set a new high. And then we kind of dropped again with the COVID low. It wasn't essentially until we broke out above really like 13, 14K, in November of 2020, that it, that it looked like it was starting a new uptrend. And that move from like 15 or 14K to, to 64K surprised me. I thought we would have topped out around 40 to 42K and then paused. So the thing with Bitcoin is there's times when it will surprise you to the upside. And so that may do that. And I'm, I'm ready for that. And I'll, I'll know how to trade it because I'll understand you know where the price is in relation to major levels but each kind of move is different and it's a different percentage too. I mean, it's a much bigger move from, you know, 200 bucks to 20k, you know, like it did from in 2 years from 2015 to 2017. It's kind of ridiculous. I think we should want as folks involved in the space, we should want a more controlled, steady rise in Bitcoin. And especially if you're in altcoins, right, the best environment for altcoins is a stable, Bitcoin, a slightly sideways to a slightly uptrending Bitcoin is the best environment for altcoins where it makes a new high and we'll kind of pause and consolidate for a while. Um that's the best type of, you know, setup. So if you're a trader, that's kind of what you're hoping for. You know, it's what I'm hoping for. I don't, you know, million dollars not happening in a lot it's gonna take a long time, if and when, right? I think we need to be more tempered with our expectations of, you know, just because it's done XYZ in the past, I don't think we should assume it's going to do XYZ in the future. I mean it's such a new asset class as well. So I think it's easy to fall into the trap of um, looking at you know 12 13 years of price history and saying well it's always done this and the havenings coming up so it's going to do another 3 4 5x or 6x or whatever like i just you can't can operate that way you have to be a little bit more cautious and again recognize it's a new asset class we're not comparing like the spy or i guess spy's pretty new too but we're not comparing like the dow jones over time or like coca-cola stock or something you know what i mean like we we have to work with the data we have and recognize the limited value in only, you know, 12 13 years of data, which is why I don't even look at monthly charts. For Bitcoin, it's too young for me and my method of analysis that, you know, Bitcoin charts too young to look at in a monthly chart. We don't even have a 200 MA yet. Right? So there's no technically there's no trend. So then that is if it's new, I've came looking at a monthly. I mean, you got to be so you got to kind of coach everything with that knowledge that it's a new asset class. So that, I guess that's how I, I would answer that question.
1: Well, I think that just about wraps it up. Thank you so much for jumping on and, and all of your your answers there.
0: No sweat, man. Always happy to uh to discuss my favorite asset class.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Crypto Trading Secrets presented by Cointelegraph. We'll catch you next time.